0: Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Glad to have you along. Pathtozion.com is the place to be. Um, It is a beautiful sunny day when I'm recording this. Now, where we live here in southwest Virginia, that is quite notable. I'm so stoked it's not supposed to rain for like four whole days. I'm totally excited. How is it in your neck of the woods. What is the neck of the woods? Does anybody know what that means? (laughs) I don't. So why do we say things that we don't even know what they mean? I don't know. Okay, so how are you doing today? Isn't that an interesting question? It is a greeting in Western culture. Hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, brother. How you doing? Good. Awesome. And off we go, right? <laughs> but, like, are you a person that actually answers that, que- that question appropriately? Are you someone that, like, has people in, in your life that... Do you have people in your life where you can actually answer that question with honesty? And others in your life that, like, you ask them, hey, man, how you doing? And they say, you know what? I'm, not, I'm just not doing too good. Can we talk? Can we pray? Because here's the thing. In this culture we live in, and I talk about this in great measure, we are just a, we are a superficial, masquerading people. Humanity is just pretending to the utmost to just, you know, let's just be fine. We know that that's not true. Suicide, depression... People who ostracize themselves, working through their own issues, squinting their eyes hard enough and gritting their teeth enough to just, quote, be okay. That's not a biblical pattern, and we need to make sure that that in no way is infiltrating our own homes and our own individual thinking. Yes, we're more than overcomers. Yes, and... in. In Yeshua Messiah, we are this, we are that. Absolutely, yes and amen. But there is still a humanity issue that we must deal with. I don't care where we are spiritually speaking, mature, immature, young in the faith, or 40 years believing. We are on a journey of perpetually moving in a progressive state away from our old natural carnal thinking that keeps us hindered, bound, possibly oppressed. And I think a lot of freedom can come to us if we just, the power of confession, the biblical pattern of confession and repentance and open, just open transparency with the brethren to say, "You know what? this is just who I am, and it doesn't threaten my position in the Messiah. It doesn't threaten my my spiritual man uh salvation, you know everybody everybody wants to look good, nobody wants to have problems, flaws, sin, of course, whoa whoa well, i'm i'm not I'm not a sinner now, <laughs> or well, I'm just a sinner." I'm in Jesus, but I'm just a sinner, so you know, what do you do? We're just mere men. You know, again, it's a world of extremes. How many times do we have to talk about the extremes? But today I just want to present something that's, that, boy, when it hit home, um, it hit a grand slam for us this morning. Our whiteboard teaching was Romans chapter 5, verse 3, the first part of that. We exalt glory. We boast in our troubles and tribulations. All right, let's hit the pause button. Okay, well, first and foremost, we need to be careful that we don't just categorize ourselves as people who this is actually true in regards to. First question for me is, okay, am I included in the we? I need to make sure (laughs) because Paul is is making it clear from the outset of of a shared vantage point that's inclusive to the listener and himself. We, okay, so he's saying like, this is set. We here, myself and you, my audience, we exalt glory and boast in our troubles and tribulations. And Let's just look at it from the vantage point of maybe that's not us. Or even as ones who do in fact believe that and live accordingly. Well, the question is, well, why? Why do we do that? Because we enjoy pain and suffering and and we feel like that somehow earns God's favor? I would say sometimes. I've seen that in the church throughout my life. Is self-abasement and self-denial... Fueled by hope for reward, in an un, un, in an um, in an incorrect way, of like the whole reason for enduring is to gain something via the suffering, in a in a perverted way. But this is saying clearly in Romans chapter five, the reason we glory and boast in our troubles, our trials, our tribulations, is because we know that they bring about patience, perseverance, and endurance. And this version, if you will, is just my version of, of expanding the singular, the singular words to, to kind of grow the, the viewpoint of what this is in fact saying to us. A broadening, if you will, within the single use of words and giving them you know, two or three variations of saying the same thing to get the point across to us more clearly. So, Paul is saying, this is what we do. We boast in our troubles. When we're going through tribulations, we boast in that. Well, why do we do that? Because we know that they produce something. They bring about something. There's a fruit to this that is something eternal. It is in the now, it is in the present, it is in the midst of the trial and of the circumstance. But but being in that process of boasting in these things, not just gritting your teeth and getting through, but I mean like glory in. Like this is a word we don't really use in, in, in modern English, but exult. <laughs> we, we delight in. We take great pride in our troubles and our trials. Not just, well, we get through. Oh God's going to deliver me. I'm going to try hard enough. Oh God, I'm just like I'm believing. You know how many times have we all been guilty of saying that? Brother, I'm sorry you're going through this, this, this and this and this. Well, you know, I... and if we don't say it word for word, we insinuate our heart's response, which a lot of times is, man, I just hope there's something good on the other side. We even make it all Christiany, right? Man, I just hope God knows what he's doing. And even if we don't say that, if we're not careful, our hearts will be postured that way. In just kind of blind hope that, man, God, I sure hope you know what you're doing because this just stinks right now. Well, that's not what this is saying. There's an elevated way for us to walk towards these matters of trials and tribulations. Knowing that, Being sure of, being confident in the fact that they are producing something in my life. Patience, perseverance, and endurance. Now, endurance is a key here to me. In a a Christian worldview that is all about escapism, the church must get this message. The church, most of the church, wide-way Christianity, their entire hope is banking on being sucked out of trials and tribulations. We would dub it the tribulation. The days to come, the days of wrath and judgment on the earth. Well, it's not appointed for... Yeah, we know all these things, but the fact of the matter is, and I spoke with someone just yesterday about this, the biblical pattern of God dealing with humanity that we must face and reckon with is God, in most cases, delivers His people to possess the land, and He removes, eradicates the evil. In other words, the evil are the ones taken out. They're the raptured ones. Okay? They're the ones removed. The, the, the evil will be removed from the land. The, the, the righteous will inherit the land. I will remove the enemies and you will possess the green pastures of God by his hand. It's a biblical pattern. We could get into that and spend the next four hours, but that's not what I'm talking about today. But the fact of the matter is, and what I always go back to when what I dubbed years ago, probably eight, nine, ten years ago when I did, when I started getting bold enough to do actual teachings against rapture doctrine. And what I dubbed the real issue because, again, I'm a heart issue guy. I'm a heart guy. I believe every spiritual principle and even deep-seated doctrines can be rightly filtered through the condition of the man's heart. And so, like, wherever you fall with rapture doctrine is really not the issue. I can fellowship with people who believe they're going to be sucked up into the sky and their clothes are going to be folded neatly on the floor at their rapture, I can fellowship with these people. Now, it's a disagreement and, you know, this, that, and the other. How do we endure alongside the brethren and submit ourselves in differences? Well, I talk about that with great regularity. Yet it is possible. We can do that. It does not have to be a division maker, it is in many churches for sure. But the issue that I addressed, again, 10, 10 plus years ago is I started inserting the the deeper question which is what I dubbed rapturitis (laughs) rapturitis is the fascination with being removed instead of enduring The, the Beulah Land mindset, oh God get me out of this vile, evil, horrible, wretched world pronto I should not have to be here. I shouldn't have to endure hardship and trials and testing. That's not for me. I'm in Jesus. Well, friends, that's just not true. If we're in the pattern of the suffering servant, I mean, was that true for Yeshua Messiah? Did he avoid suffering? Or what or are we clearly told in the scriptures that he learned obedience through the things that he endured and suffered? He purposely lived, he purposely lived out and sought after, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He boasted in his trials. It identified him as the Son of God. It marked him forever, and he is our pattern. He is our goal. He is my model of how a God-man functions on a natural earth. He in no way hid from trials and tribulations. He instead sought them out and boasted in them knowing what even in He Himself as the God-man, what it would produce even in Him. And we're told clearly in the Scriptures that's in fact what it did, to absolute perfection, so much so that the Father looked at Him and said, well-pleasing, Son, you have satisfied the demands of The righteous, perfect demands of a father towards his son. Amen. Perfection. That is our goal. And so, okay, well, let's practically speaking this morning. And listen to what I'm saying. May this, like, be a a living testimony to this, to this truth. This morning, I don't know, about 8 o'clock, I am writing out our whiteboard teaching for the morning, which is this verse. So I'm writing out, we exult glory and boast in our troubles and our tribulations, knowing that they bring about. And when I'm right there at about, Kristen calls me over and she's with our eight-year-old son. And he had cut his finger or something yesterday outside playing and she was, you know, bandaging it up or whatever, maybe, you know, 10, 12 feet from me over towards our bathroom area. And she calls me over and I start correcting Noah because he had just kind of been fussing about this cut on his finger and how he didn't want his mom to attend to it. You know, children, a lot of times, no, it hurts, ow, 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 you know, (laughs) And so she calls me over. I'm assuming just, I think she even said something about helping me or helping her with our son. So as I go over there, as I'm walking over that direction, again, only 10 or 12 feet, I'm correcting him, saying his name. Noah Daniel, stand up, son. I could see her kind of holding him up. Noah Daniel, come on, son. You're a half years old. This is not a big deal. You're okay. And I realize the look on my wife's face, and I'm I'm a little slow to catching on to what's going on here, but he begins to go limp in her arms. And she's and I'm still like I'm again, I'm not I'm not catching on. I said I'm saying, Noah, Daniel, stand up, son. Stand up, Noah. Cause again, this has happened 175 times in our life where he's just being obstinate and he's making something simple, very hard. We all know how children act and behave. So that's what I'm addressing, I thought. And then I realized by, again, looking at my wife's face, she said, I can't hold him. And Noah, my son, he was was passing out. Like he just got real pale and he just, man, he just fell out. And, you know, he's big enough now where I tried to come in and slow his fall, but and we did for the most part. But he still bonked his head just, you know, real minimal on the floor, nothing a big deal, but he was just out, eyes wide open. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh." You know how it is if you're a parent or just uh, you've had this experience in life anywhere, it's like, "All right, well what's happening? What what's going on?" I mean, Five minutes before that, he's just sitting quietly reading a book while I'm going through some scriptures, and he's just minding his own business another normal morning. And the next thing I know, I'm writing out this verse on the whiteboard, and I look over and go to him, and he's he's just blacked out on the floor. Okay, so like this verse became alive in a mere moment. And I'm telling you, and what I wrote out in the short whiteboard teaching this morning online is, you know what? Until we are in circumstances, until certain circumstances come our way, we have no idea if, in fact, we believe these texts. This one and many others, about where our hope lies, about who we have entrusted our family to. Listen, the message of my life, I mean, intensely for the past I mean, it's been years, but it's, been in a, it's moved into a different realm of, of life over the last three or four months, that my family is not my possession. I feel like I understand the biblical order of the household. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the priest of my home. I am. I'm the priest of my house. There is Yeshua ruling, reigning, seated upon the throne of my life and upon the throne of my family. He's the king, and I am under him, and I am over my wife, and I'm surely, of course, over my son, and every day I submit them to him. These are yours. My wife, my son, they are not my possession. I will be a responsible spiritual man. Yes and amen, of course. I provide for my family through the the gifts from my father. All provision comes from Him. I'm just, I'm just merely the hands to accomplish any good thing. It's not up to me. It's dependent on me to do something, but it's, I'm not the source. And I believe that so much so that the second my son blacks out and falls on the floor with his eyes wide open, I start praying in the Spirit and I start saying and declaring the name of Yeshua Messiah. It's an instinct, friend. It is an instinctual, if that's even a word, (laughs) response that must be set for the people of God. This is a trial. This is a trouble. This is a tribulation. And God, I instantaneously turn everything to you because this boy that I'm looking at, he's not mine. He's your possession, God. He is yours. And listen, we've had a lot of tests and trials with our son. He has anaphylactic food allergies. Back when he was three I fed him by accident buttermilk pancake batter and within 30 minutes he's blue and we're rushing him to the ER where he's getting batteries of tests. We have had some things, okay? Ten years ago I had a stroke, a vertebral artery dissection. I should be I should be altered. I should not be healthy like I am. We have had some trials. As everyone has, we've all gone through things that are testing and trials of our faith, of our belief, of where our truly, 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 where our hope lies. And friends, only then do we know where we stand. What did I just record yesterday? A shaking is coming. Everything we know it's prophesied, everything that can be shaken, guess what? Every single thing is going to be. Your family, your children, your parents, your church, your business. Maybe the food in your pantry. Listen, friends, there's a shaking coming. And if we are a people of avoidance, if we're a people who have a pattern of always seeking relief and comfort, I'm just saying, if you live a lavish lifestyle that completely caters to your every need and comfort at every whim that you have, I'm telling you, there's going to be trouble coming for you, friend. It's going to be hard if we are a people of relief and comfort because that is the habitual lifestyle that we have given ourselves to. We must be a people who boast in troubles and tribulations and actually in some way as a mature spiritual man now crave these things because we know what it produces. So when a trial comes, when something hard comes, whether in small events or in an actual age, which is before us and may be right now starting, we had better be absolutely secure in every possible way that we ourselves are completely incapable of being strong enough to quote win this battle. This battle will be won. This will be won by the ones who have surrendered their life. These will be the this will be won, and the ones who overcome, we're told in prophecy again in Revelation, the overcomers over the great adversary that is yet before us in greater measure than we now see will be the ones who are in the blood of the slain lamb and possess a word of the testimony. I taught on that two months ago. They will be the overcomers. The ones covered in the blood of the lamb and the ones who have a living now word of the testimony, a personal experiential encounter-based communion with eternal God. These will be the ones who win. These will be the ones who endure. These will be the ones who persevere in patience. And so, friends, I'm just saying, you had better start practicing that now. I think a lot of people who consider consider themselves in the people of God are going to be very surprised at what these trying and tribulation times that are before us, when they come, I think a lot of people are going to really be surprised at what is revealed in the midst of them. And so here's my charge to you, friend. Take measures today to face rightly the trials and tribulations in your life presently. Do not avoid them in any way. I'm not saying seek them out. out. I'm not saying be a people who, like, in some twisted way, pursue being persecuted or tried I'm not saying seek it out I'm just saying we have got to be careful we are in no way avoiding what has been brought to us to perfect us and to move us in sanctification towards more and more of the likeness of the Messiah and I'm just I am boasting in the Lord this morning that when my son blacked out and hit the floor my spirit man was right there front and center amen what a gift of God fruit on the tree, friends. This boy is not my own God. He's your possession. I present him to you. Here he is. Look at this child. You see him. You know him. You formed him and fashioned him before the foundations of the earth. He is not mine. He is your son. Care for him, God. He's outside of my He's outside of my care right now. I can't do anything to help Him other than what I'm doing right now, which is the greatest thing I can do, which is be a spiritual man and a spiritual father. And friends, I have to do this because this is the point of what I'm always saying about not defending our lives. I can't help that every single thing I see in the Scriptures teaches me the pattern of Yeshua Messiah, which is my life is not my own. We have got to embrace the reality that we are not in control of anything here in the natural. We are not capable of doing these things we want to do as rightful, responsible, spiritual men. We have limitations, y'all. We have prohibitions in place where there are times coming where no gun, no weapon, no physical force of my human body will be sufficient. But what is sufficient? The weapons of my warfare that are not carnal and not natural and I will wield them till the end. I will wield those weapons until I breathe my last breath. And if I need to lay down my life for my son, I will do it in one millisecond. But he's not my own. He is outside my control. He's outside of my control, as well he should be. He has been submitted on the altar of sacrifice exactly like Isaac did, exactly like Isaac was by his father Abraham. This is my son. You have given him to me. He is your possession. I bring him before you. Every single thing about our life, it's in your hands, one true God. My life is set that way. I will boast in my troubles and tribulations. What's another thing Paul said? I will boast. I will glory in my weakness. Friends, do you glory in your weakness? I'm telling you, when I'm weak, he can be strong. Friends, a day is coming, and I'm hitting my steering wheel. A day is coming, friend, when your strength will not be sufficient. If you walk in control of your life and of your family and of all the circumstances around you, friend, you're bound to fail. You will be deemed insufficient in days ahead. Your weaponry will not be sufficient to preserve your life or the life of your family. Only spiritual men who wield spiritual weapons of warfare are going to be the victors through the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, waging war in a level that is not earthly, not natural, and not merely down here in this natural realm that my physical natural eyes look upon. I'm going to be a spiritual man. I'm going to be a spiritual man. And praise the Lord that this morning it was evidenced yet again, you know what, I'm walking as a spiritual man. I can't help my son right now. And I looked up at that board and I read this scripture and then I finished it because as I told you, I only got to what these things will bring about. Patience, perseverance, endurance. We will endure to the end. These will be the ones who are delivered, rescued, and saved. The ones who endure to the end. Friends, I'm telling you, a shaking's coming. I haven't felt this way for probably, I don't know, six years ago I really felt this way. If I could just randomly pinpoint a season where I felt like, God, something's coming. Something's coming. I feel that way today. I feel that way this week. I feel this way. I felt this way the last month. Something's coming. A shaking's coming and is now here. Friends, you had better be sure. We've got to be sure. We are set. Unmovable. Unwavering. Because of our own strength? Because of our own weaponry? Because of our natural ability to control a situation? Absolutely not. These things will quickly be deemed insufficient. Please listen to what I'm saying. Our natural abilities and strengths will be deemed insufficient in an age that is fast approaching. We had better be spiritual men operating in a spiritual realm that is right here behind a veil for any man who will walk in it in faith, willing and positioned and postured to endure. Oh, Lord, birth an army, an army, God who walks in line in the government of God, waging war on the principalities and powers and the rulers of the air that cannot be seen with our natural eyes. It's time to endure. It is time to endure. Amen.